Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Thank you for coming and being with us this morning. We're glad to have you. We want to open up the phone right at the start, and the number is 888-463-6748. If you'd like to call in during the program, it would be very much welcome here. What we want to talk about this morning is our calling. Everyone has a calling. God calls every one of us. He's not willing that any of us should perish, but that all of us would know him, that we would repent of our wrongdoings and and come to him. And when we do, like I was talking about last week, about being reconciled, when we become reconciled, then we all have a calling. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that. First thing that God calls us to, he calls us unto holiness. The Bible teaches us in First Thessalonians 4, 7, and 8. It says, For God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. He, therefore, that despises, despises not man, but God, who has also given to us his Holy Spirit. So God calls us not unto uncleanness. There are so many things that are passed off as being Christian today that the Bible would refer to as uncleanness. And naturally, anything that is not clean would be unclean, wouldn't it? So the Bible does have a lot to talk about being clean, about being pure, uh, pure motives, pure faith, pure attitudes. And so what we're talking about on holiness is being pure inside out. When we get the inside cleaned up, then the outside takes care of itself because the Bible teaches us that out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. So the first calling that we would have would be living a lifestyle that would please God. That's the pure life, is one that would be very pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what we're looking at this morning, is being pure. But so many are not, so many in the church, so many that are speaking behind the pulpit are not pure today. We've had a lot of things come into the church that has corrupted the church from what God meant for it to be in the beginning. And so we have all of these things, and I'm not going to mention them. I think most of you know what they are. And they're so evident today all over the place. But God wants his people to be a people that are separated from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all three of those must take place if we're going to have the purity in the church that we need. So what are we talking about when we're talking about being separated from the devil? I think we all realize what that is. We don't want any demonic activity in our churches. Our churches are to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. And so if we have demonic activity in those, we realize that 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 is corrupting the church. And so what is the world? The world are those people and organizations that are fighting against the purity of Christ. So that would be what the world would be. And we see a lot of 
this today. We see the church becoming worldly, worldly-minded. They're thinking more about how many they're going to have in church and and how much their finance is going to be and, and things like this. And this is far from what God wants. The Lord told us that if we will do his will, that he'll supply our every need according to his riches and glory. So this should not be our main concern, which we're going to find out in another segment of our program today. But this thing of of being worldly-minded and thinking the way the world thinks, the Christian does not have that kind of thinking. The Bible teaches us that when we become children of God, when we become Christian, old things pass away, all things become new. We take on new attitudes, we take on places that we go and things that we do and things that we say and things we don't say and things that we think about and things we don't think about. All of these are new. And so a lot of times when a person will become a new Christian in a family or in a community or something like that, and they take on all these new things. They think they're rather strange, that they're peculiar, that they won't do the kind of things that they used to do. I had a relative that was all, he really liked his liquor. He liked uh, alcoholic beverages. And he became a Christian, and he quit all of this. His relatives brought him over and put all this liquor that he liked. And he said, well, you must like this. You must like this. And they were trying their best to get him back into that lifestyle. And he told them, he said, I love Jesus more than I love all this. Well, that was the end of the story. But, you know, that's the way it is. When we really become Christians, there's something that changes on the inside of us. And we are indeed not just made over, not just turning over a new leaf. We become new people. We become different people. And so we look kind of peculiar to the rest of the world. And some people don't want that. They want to look as much like the world as they can because they don't want the persecution and the odd looks and things like that that come from being not of the world. Jesus himself said they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. And the world, the Bible teaches us that the world is enmity toward God. And it doesn't follow the things that it should. Okay, we know about what the world is. Now, what is the flesh? This is where we really get into things. The flesh is that part of us that wars against God. Now, you might think, well, I'm not warring against God. But if you're not following the Lord, if you're not serving him and showing that in the way you act and the way you look and a lot of other things, then you are fighting against God, even though you may not think so. If you think that there's some other way except the Lord's way, except Jesus getting into the kingdom and things like this, you're fighting against God. And we naturally have that when we're born. We're born with this, what we refer to as sinful nature. We have two types of sin. We have the sins that we commit, and then we have the sin that we inherited. And that sin is what we also refer to as the flesh. We also call it the old man. We call it the body of the sin of of death. There's a lot of titles for it, but it's the same thing. A lot of the church thinks that we have to kind of put up with that that there's nothing we can do about it. It's tied in with our flesh and blood. But the Bible doesn't teach that. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says that our old man is crucified, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we should henceforth not serve sin. Now, if that be the case, the Bible is very clear in telling us that our old man, our old life, the old way that we used to live, is crucified, it's nailed to the cross with Jesus. And so that old life dies. Crucifixion kills. And then it says that the body of sin might be destroyed. 
And that's a word, another word for the flesh. And also it's called carnality. And so there, it all means the same, that there's something inside of us that will not allow us to go as far as we would like to go with the Lord. It keeps on tripping us up. It keeps on fighting against God as much as we try. But there is a time in our life when we can win victory over that too, just like that Romans 6, 6 verse said. When John was looking at Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's in John chapter 1, verse 29. And so he's saying that Jesus takes away the sin of the world. What is the sin that's common to the world? It's this, com- this sin that I'm talking about, the sin that we inherit. That's the sin that Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. Also in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so what are the works of the devil? To bring sin into our lives and have something on the inside of us that, that fights God. And so this is what we're talking about when we're talking about the flesh. It's that thing that Jesus came to destroy. And so as much as the church might say we had to put up with that, I guess we have to put up with it if that's what we want to do. But there's something far better than that. God didn't cause the uncleanness. And that carnal spirit will take us into uncleanness more times than we want to be. And it, we become a slave to it. And like I told you last week, sin is a very bad kind of a slave master. And so he didn't call us to that. He called us to holiness. He called us to a pure life. He called us to pure motives. He called us that we might be more than conquerors to Christ that loved us and gave himself for it. He called us to victory. And so when we have this uh, place where we're a holy people without spot or wrinkle, and that's what the church is supposed to be, a holy church without spot or wrinkle. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews that if we don't have holiness, we're not even going to see God. And then the Bible teaches us, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that's in Roman, that's in Matthew, in, and that's one of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, and that's verse 8. So, there are many places in the Bible that teach us that this old carnal nature, we don't have to be a slave to it. And if the church should just get a hold of this and realize we've been called into holiness and would take the actions necessary in order to make this a reality, what a difference it would make in our churches, in our communities, in our own lives. And, you know, this is the thing that we really need today is to take this call that God has called the church to, called to holiness. And the, the world, the flesh, and the devil is referred to as an evil trinity. We have God's trinity, but we also have the evil trinity, and that's it. So we're up on our first break. We'll continue this after the break. And so this is Howard Eugene Wright. I'm hosting Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you coming, and, and probably some of you are coming week after week. And I gave you the phone number. It's 888-463-6748, and you're welcome to call in today if you have anything to uh, say or any questions you have or anything like that. We are opening it up for you. This is a talk show, and I'm doing the talking, but 
you're more than welcome to contribute if you like to. If you want to just sit there and listen to me, that's fine too. But, uh, you know, we're talking about a very important subject. It's a life and death kind of subject. And when we see the way our world is today, it's more important today than it's ever been. Some people think the Bible isn't very relevant. Well, the truth of the matter is it's very relevant. It's exactly what we need. It's more than just a band-aid that's put on us and we hope that the infection doesn't kill us. This is something that takes care of the infection. It heals us, like I said, from the inside out. Our problem is not the outside. Our problem is what's on the inside of us. And I want you to know that God realizes what's on the inside of you. We can't hide it from God. We might hide it from people. We might be in church and we might be acting very sanctimonious and putting on a good front in the church and go back out and act like the devil. Well, God knows about that. And that will never happen if you're really a holy person, if you've really let the Lord come into your life and clean you up then you will not be doing these kind of things. There's a lot of things that are happening today that we've been uh, not mentioning by word, but you know that maybe a lot of people don't even go to church anymore because when they go to church, they find out that the people are the same as they are, and so what good is it doing? And this has brought much damage to not only the church, which is supposed to be the pillar and the ground of the truth, and it's supposed to be edifying one another and lifting up one another and things like this. But it's also destroying the community that and everyone else that's involved. And so it's very important that we get this right, that God does have a way set up for us that we can live a holy life. And this is the number one calling that God has called for every one of us. Later on, we'll find out that there are some calls that God gives particular people, but he will not give those calls to a person that is living for the devil and living for the world or living for themselves. He only gives the call that I'm going to be talking about later and the various calls that he does give upon our lives for us to do ministry-type calls, but he will not give these calls unless we are living a holy life. There are many people in our churches today, and even pastors, sad to say, and I'm not against any of these, I pastored for over 30 years and um, have been involved with with the Lord for over 50 years. And so I'm not against uh, pastors, I'm not against uh, the church or anything like that. I am against the sad, deplorable condition that we're in because we haven't disciplined ourselves or disciplined the members to have them to live a holy life and do what God wants them to do. Now, how do we enter into this? First of all, you have to be a born-again Christian in order to have what I'm going to tell you about in the next few minutes here in this segment. You If you're not a born-again Christian, and you don't qualify for what I'm telling you about, but if you're a born-again Christian, you're living for God the best you can, you're being obedient to Him, you're studying God's Word, you're hiding God's Word in your heart, you are a child of God, you know that you have passed from death into life because you love people, you love the people of God, you love the people around you, you don't have any bitterness and jealousy in you and things like that. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But you find that you have this thing inside of you that just won't allow you to be everything you want to be. You, you get to feeling bad about it. You do something. You say something that you know you shouldn't say. You go back and you ask God to forgive you. Naturally, God forgives you because we have an advocate with the Father, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's interceding for us, we ask him to forgive us, he'll forgive us. But this should not be something we have to do every day. The Bible tells us about an advocate that we have, the Lord Jesus, and but this is 
you know, like you have a car and you're driving down the road and you have a flat tire. You don't have a flat tire every time you drive down the road, do you? But if it gets worn too much, you might just have a flat tire. Then you have to change it. But you don't change tires every day. And that's the same way with our lives. If we're really living for the Lord, we might have a blowout once in a while. And if we do that, we have to come back and ask God to forgive. But there's something better than that. We can get to the place where, where, and I'm not talking about a perfection that you never sin. You never get to that place. If that was the case, why would temptation be a problem to us? And all of us are tempted. Even Jesus was tempted, but he was without sin, wasn't he? So I'm not talking about an absolute perfection that that uh, you never are. You're always safe from that time on. You you can kind of relax. And no, that's not the kind of thing I'm telling you about. We always had to watch and pray as long as we're in this life. But we don't have to have the inside thing that's warring against God. And how do we do that? It's quite simple. If you are a born-again Christian, like I'm telling you, and you're living for God the best you know how, you're studying God's Word, you're praying, you're witnessing every time you get a chance for the Lord and things like this, then what I'm telling you I think will be a great relief to you and be a big help to you. And here's what you do in order to go into holiness. In uh, the sixth chapter of, of Hebrews, it says, leaving those things that are behind and pressing on to holiness. And so we need to go on into holiness. And so how do we do that? How do we get rid of that old carnal spirit? I want you to know you don't get rid of that old carnal spirit. You probably tried a lot of times to keep it down, to keep it suppressed. But it's just like a rattlesnake. You might keep it suppressed for a while, but after a while it's going to jump out and bite you and bite someone else too. So you can't do it. So just get that settled in your mind right now. It's not something that you're going to do that you can ever do. But the beautiful thing about it is God worked it out so that he can do it. God is the one that does it through the Lord Jesus. He comes in and cleans us up. So how is this done? First of all, you have to give yourself completely to the Lord without any conservations, without any reservation. You just give yourself completely to the Lord. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But it says to give our bodies a living sacrifice. This is wholly acceptable unto God. It's our reasonable servant. So we give ourselves to God. Now, when we became born again, we surrendered our sins. We asked God to forgive us. We repented of them. And so when we come to him for cleansing or for entering into a holy life, inside out, like I said, we give ourselves completely to the Lord, and then we trust him to come and clean us up. Because we know we can't do it. We couldn't do it when we got saved the first time, could we? When God came into our lives and transformed our lives, uh, that was a perfect work our first work that the Lord did on us. And so this one is also a perfect work. But we find in in this that if, when we give ourselves completely to the Lord and we believe God will take care of this and we trust him for it, then he sends his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has us. When we're saved or we're born again, then we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works in us and helps us. But then when we're, what the Bible refers to as sanctification or holiness, then the Holy Spirit has us. And the Holy Spirit comes in and lives in our lives completely. He's there. He's with us. But then we need for him to have us. So we give ourselves completely to the Lord we're willing to face persecution or anything else that we have to for Jesus' sake. And we're, 
there's nothing that we're not willing to give to him. All of our time, our talents, our treasure, us, just, you know, everything, our health, just don't leave anything out. And when we do that and we trust the Lord to come in and cleanse us from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit so that we can perfect holiness in the fear of God, God does it. And then we are what we would refer to the calling that God made upon our lives of being a holy people. We're, that's what God wants us to be. This is a normal thing. This isn't just for missionaries and for special workers in the church. This is for everyone. Well, we're at the, at the end of our second half. So this is Howard Eugene Wright, your host on Rivers of Living Water. And we'll be back in a moment. This is TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. I trust that what I've been saying to you has been a big help to you. And maybe it's some things that you haven't heard before. And maybe it's some things that you have even rejected before. And maybe your church uh, denomination rejected this. But we're not looking to people. We're supposed to be looking to God. And we, we noticed in, in that verse there that it said that he that despises, despises not man, but despises God. And so what I want to talk about now is if you have gotten to that place that I'm talking to you about on being holy, God calling you to holiness, then the next thing I want to talk to you about is God calls some of us into special ministries. And these ministries are not given, like I told you, to just anyone. God wants us to be a people that is totally given over to him, then those people, some of those, not all of them, but some of them, are given special assignments from the Lord to do the work of the ministry within the church. And it this is found in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to talk about this for probably the rest of our program today, about the different ministries that we're called into. Now, the ministry is a called ministry, and it's a ministry that God calls us into. If you just went into the ministry, into the pastorate, for example, because you felt that that would be a good thing to do, you didn't want to be a dentist and pull people's teeth, and you you didn't want to go out on the uh, be a carpenter or something like that, so you thought, well, maybe a pastor would be a pretty good thing to do. No, you don't call yourself into any kind of ministry. The sad thing is some people have called themselves into being a pastor or something else in the church, and they're not even born-again Christians, let alone being spirit-filled Christians or being a people, a holy people. And this is where our sad situation comes. The church has been infiltrated with even such things as as uh, New Age stuff, and and none of that is part of the, the Lord, naturally. There is a separation. There is a time when we have to come to a place where we're going to, we decide we're going to follow God rather than the world, the flesh, or the devil I was talking to you about. But if you are one of those who have or just got into the church because you thought it was a good thing to do, you're probably doing more harm than you're doing good. And you need to reconsider the ministry that you're in or what you're doing and do something else. And so I, I want you to know that that I'm not trying to give you a hard time here. I'm just trying to tell you that there are these ministries that we get into, but God calls us into those ministries. We don't call ourselves into them. God calls it. God shows us what he wants us to do. And with that calling, he also gives us a way of doing that. He equips us for that particular call. So we find in Ephesians 
chapter 4, verse 11, we have something called apostles. And the apostles, uh, and then it says prophets, and then evangelists, pastors and teachers. We have these five that God calls us into. So he might call you to be a teacher in a Sunday school class or something like that, you see. Or he might call you to be a teacher in a college. Uh, he does call us to teach because the Great Commission goes along with these. And the Great Commission is that the, what the Lord gave us. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. And he said uh, that we should teach them, that we should disciple them, we should baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so we we see here that that uh, these five areas that we're talking about is to help the church to meet the great commission that Jesus gave. That was what he gave before he went up into heaven. He assigned the church to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to observe all things that he has shown them and to uh, baptize them, to discipline, to disciple them. And so this is what the church is for. It, it tells us that it's, that these ministries are for the perfecting of the saints. It's to bring the message of Christ that I told to you about in the first part, to bring this to the, the church, bring it to the community, bring it to the world. So we're supposed to be perfecting the saints. And it's for the work of the ministry. There is a work of ministry. There's caring for the sick. There's caring for the dying. There's there's caring for the hungry and for these various needs that we see in the world. The church ought to be right out in front doing those kind of things. So it's the work of the ministry, and it's the edifying of the body of Christ. These are the things that, that the Lord wants us to do, and these are the things that he uh, has brought the different ministries into, and the called ministries. So do we have apostles today? The closest thing to an apostle would be a missionary. So we don't have apostles as such. When the apostles died, then that was the end of the apostle thing. But we do have missionaries, and missionaries do basically the same thing that the apostles do. The apostles went out into places that hadn't been covered before and brought the message of Christ, brought God to those people. And so the next one is prophets. Do we have prophets today? Well, we do, in a sense, because the prophets were those people that warned people of impending doom if they didn't get their life straightened up. So we do have that that is from time to time, and as as things become closer, we realize that Jesus' coming is nearer, and so we do, in a sense, have prophets, but we don't really usually call them that for the most part. Do we have evangelists today? Yes, we do. We have people that have been called to be evangelists, and, and those go out and they talk to people who have never known the Lord, and, and they help them to come to God and and uh, to be saved and, and to live for the Lord and, and things like this. So we do have evangelists. Do we have pastors? Pastors are shepherds of the flock, and the flock is the church. So the pastors are to be caring for the church. They're the under-shepherds. Jesus is the good shepherd, and they're the under-shepherds that care for the church. They guard the church. They look after the church. They make sure that no heresies or any false doctrines get into the church. They protect their people 
from all of these kind of things. They keep them close to the Bible. They encourage them to love God in the midst of trials and temptations or just when everything is going well, just serve him all the time. So that's what the pastors are. They're to be in the church and they're to be taking care of the church, watching over the church, just like Jesus does. And so Jesus is our good shepherd, and we need to be in contact with the good shepherd if we're going to be the right kind of shepherd. And I pastored for over 30 years, so I know what pastoring is about. I did some evangelistic work for a while as well, and I have did some missionary work. So I've done all of those, and it is possible that God will call you to one thing at one time, and then he'll put you into something else. But a lot of the times, he'll call you into just one, and he'll keep you there all of your ministry time. Teachers, yes, we've already talked about teachers. We do, we do have teachers. And today we need people who will teach the Word. And, you know, the Bible tells us to preach the Word. In season, out of season, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So we find that these can interrelate. All five of these can interrelate. There can be a time when you're acting as an evangelist. You can be acting as a pastor, sometimes as a teacher. But these are distinct callings. And some people, all they have, they're called into the ministry uh, to pastor or to teach. And maybe, like I said, it could be in a church setting. It could be in a college setting for your teaching, your uh, pastoring. There's a different settings that you could be on your pastoring. But these do sometimes kind of come together and... They work together when they're needed. See, some people have more talents than others. Some people might have one talent, and so the Lord puts them into one particular ministry. Someone might have a couple talents, so maybe they're interrelated in those ministries. My ministry type of pastoring has been kind of a teacher-type pastor, and so mine were kind of related together. And just like I'm doing right now with you. But the teaching and the preaching, the difference is the preaching, the pastor gets up there and teaches, preaches, and you don't say anything. But in teaching, there's an interrelating type thing. You might ask questions to the teacher, and the teacher will give you answers, you see. So in uh, a pastor type standing up talking to you on a Sunday morning, or, you know, that person, he's just proclaiming the message of Christ and he needs to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him that he might say the right things and, and do the right things at that time. But the pastor does more than that. He goes out during the week and he visits his people and sees how they're doing. He visits them in the hospital. If they're having difficulty, he goes out and helps them one-on-one. And, and in that kind of setting, then... They can ask him questions, and he can give them answers and and things like that. So you see the pastor it has a kind of a double role, at least that much, when he's going out and helping people one-on-one, and then he's talking in a congregation and helping people that way. Every way that he possibly can in order to keep his church healthy and strong, that's what He's responsible to do, and so he has a great responsibility to be the person that God wants him to be. You know, we're upon, <laughs> this time is really going fast, isn't it? We're upon our next break, and so this is uh, Howard Eugene Wright hosting Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Let's get back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. 
Thank you for being a part of our program today, and I trust that uh, as we're talking to you that you will not be offended. There are some things that I'm saying today that that uh, could offend you, and I just want you to know right up front that if you're offended with the kind of things that I'm talking about today, then you probably need to straighten up. The Bible uh, is quite clear on that. I had a friend that that used to say, if the kitty doesn't like itself being rubbed the wrong way, the kitty needs to turn around. And so if, if what I'm telling you today is, is uh, offending you, then you're offended with God's word, and that is a bad place to be. So um, having said that, and maybe that shouldn't have been said, <laughs> and if not, God forgive me and help me, but I think it really does need to be said because we live in a day where it seems like that there are no absolute standards, that everyone pretty well does that which they think they should do, and and there's no one really standing up and telling them, hey, you shouldn't be doing that, that that is destructive to you, that's destructive to the people around you. And I don't know, maybe we're afraid to do that, but we shouldn't. We should be... As ministers of God, we should be bold, we should be brave, but we should speak the truth in love. We shouldn't have a hateful, bitter attitude. And as you can see, I'm not being hateful and bitter toward you today. And I'm not uh, getting all of you in hell and things like that. Um, Truth of the matter is, it's possible that if some of you don't straighten up, that might be where you end up at. But... It's not for me to say that or for me to do that. Uh, that is between you and God. And you, the final thing is, it's not what I say or anyone else says. It's what thus says the Lord. And that's the reason why in my books that you've been hearing about and everything else that I do, I try to stay as close to God's word as I can because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about the community or anything else. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what does the Lord say. It's not what I say. What I say doesn't make any more. uh, It's not any different than what you say, perhaps. But it's what God says. And we need to get back to what God says. We need for our ministry to be what God wants us to be. And the ministry does have a purpose. And so in this segment... In the last part, I want to talk about the purpose of the ministry that God has called us to. There is a definite purpose for it. We shouldn't be running around like an expression, you know, like a chicken with its head cut off, just flopping around in no sense. God help us not to be that way. God doesn't want us to be that way. So I touched on a little bit. It's One, it's for the perfecting of the saints. Who are the saints? The saints are those who are saintly, and they are not dead. They're very much alive. These people, and we find a lot of times in the Bible, it'll say unto the saints in such and such a place. And so the saints are those that are saintly. The saints are those who are godly, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are letting God lead them in every area of their life. That's who the saints are, and we're supposed to be perfecting them. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the purpose of the ministry is to help us to grow. And so when we become filled with God's Spirit, and the thing that happens is we have a perfect love that casts out fear. The love is the thing that comes into our lives. The kind of love that's willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of the Lord and for the sake of the people around us for their good. So we're perfecting the saint. We have a work of ministry like I'm telling you about, and there is a a ministry thing that we do. We need to minister to people's needs. There are so many needy people today that are not being ministered to. The government can't do all of it. Other people can't do it. The church was built to be a ministry to care for the sick, to uh, visit people in prison, to do these various things that Jesus talked about. 
that we should do. So there is a, a definite work of ministry. And then there's the edifying of the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ? Again, it's the church. The church is the body of Christ. And so, and therefore it's the pillar and the ground of the truth that we've been talking about. But we edify it. We lift it up. We encourage it. If any time the church needed encouragement, it's now. We need to encourage one another in the Lord. We need to be a blessing and a help to one another. If we're going to do what God wants us to do, we can't be depressed and feel oppressed all the time. We have to, we have to care for one another. So it's not just the pastor that, that might go out and visit the sick and things like this. It, it's the whole church that goes out and help. And we help one another. And then it says, till we come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. There's a, that's the purpose. That's what we come for, is to bring us into that perfect relationship with the Lord. And so the more you know the Lord, the more you love the Lord, the more you become like Jesus as you go on. And so, you see, this is the way that it works. So, it's the unity of the faith. So, there has to be a unity in the church, because the church is run by faith. So, we don't always see things by sight, do we? We have faith that everything is going to work out the way God wants it to. Sometimes it doesn't look that way. But we keep right in there and keep believing God and trusting Him. There has to be a unity. There has to be a unity in the church. That's what made the church so powerful in the beginning. The Bible said they were in one accord in one place. Then the Holy Spirit came. And that's what we need today. We need to be in one accord in one place. We don't need to fuss about the collar or the rug or or how we're going to do our finances or uh, all these kind of things that we all like to, fu- people seem to fuss about all the time. But we need to have that unity. We need to work as a body. A body does not, the leg doesn't say to the, the hand, I don't have need of you. I'll just do everything I want to do. No, it all works as a group. And there needs to be a harmony in the church. And we can't have a harmony if we don't have holiness that I'm telling you about. And so we need to have that holiness in order to have the unity. And then there, there's got to have the, there's got to be a knowledge. The Bible tells us that my people are, are, uh, destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so we have to have the knowledge. And this is just not any kind of knowledge. This is knowledge about the Lord and about the working of God and, and, so the Bible also tells us that these things are spiritually discerned. So if we're not a holy people, we'll not have, we'll have a lot of trouble understanding the Bible. And so we need that knowledge. And then we need to be, uh, to a perfect man, to a full grown individual. It's one thing to have babies in the church, but the baby should grow up and I've seen in my ministry, I don't know about other people's ministry, I've seen people that have been in the church for a long time and they're still acting like babies. When a baby is born, we all get excited about it and we're so glad that that baby has come into the world and and we just do everything we can for that baby. But we expect for that baby to become a teenager and then become an adult and act like one. And we have uh, so many things in the church that are, far from being like a, a full-grown person, of being, you know what I'm, you probably know what I'm talking about, and into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus in us, working in us, making us to will and do of his good pleasure is what we need. And then here's the other thing, the next verse here that we're looking at. I'm reading the Bible. I'm not really reading notes as such. I'm just reading the Bible to you and then making comments on it. And then he, he says that we no more be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We need to be 
by the ministries that these people have that I'm telling you about. Those ministries, the result of that should be that we are not just caught away with every doctor, every fad that comes along and looks good, smells good, so let's give that a try. The other one didn't work. Uh, slight of men are just kind of trickery, you know, uh, slight of the hand and magicians and cunning craftiness. And they're laying in wait to deceive. There's a lot out there that's, that is deceiving. And if we're not careful, if we're not alert, if we don't have the Spirit of the Lord in our lives, and if we don't have these ministries in place, then anything goes. And isn't that a sad situation today? And if anything goes, what's the difference between what we got? But the church, like I've said, it needs to be something different. And then it says, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we're speaking the truth in love. We love people. That's the reason we tell them about some of these things. It isn't that we hate them. We don't hate anyone. We, If we hated people, we just let them go the way they, they want to go and end up in a terrible place, worse and worse as the days go by. We want people to have the very best in life. We want them to be joined together with Christ. We want them to, to feel that edifying of love. Love of God will edify us. It will lift us up. We're coming pretty close to the end here. And I trust that these things might have been new to some of you, but maybe not to others. And I hope that if it hasn't been old, if it's old to you, that it'll be edifying. It'll help you to realize that that's where you're supposed to be. Keep in there. Keep up the good work. And if you see something that I've said that, Maybe you need to check into then go do it. Check it out. Don't just take my word for it. Get your Bible down and look it up and see for yourself. And you'll find out that, that that's really the way that it is, is what I'm telling you today. We're at the end of our program. And I, it's so much of a delight to have you with us today. And I trust that you'll be back with us tomorrow, uh, next week at the same time. Tuesday at 10 o'clock, and this is Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water, and it's TalkZone.com.